Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves, it's what our moms tell people when in 36 hours they might get an Apple event invitation. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. And in today's episode, we have a really interesting scenario, because if you're listening to this after we've streamed it live on YouTube, you might know more than we do. And specifically, if you're watching this or listening to this, let's say, oh, I don't know, Tuesday, March 1st at like 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, you might be significantly more informed than us because, well, how about that, folks? We are potentially less than 48 hours away from invitations to the first Apple event of 2022. And I, for one, am pretty excited about that. I definitely am too. It's been, uh, we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show, but it's been almost five months between the last event and and this one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I I had genuinely not realized that until we talked about it, Noah. I thought I was, in my mind, it's been two months for like three months. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know, because, like, for me, I, yeah, the same, because, like, I, I knew it was in, like, I knew it was last year, and I'm like, okay, this mm. year it's been, like, about two months so far, which is kind of crazy on its own, but it's been, like, two months. True. So, oh, the event was probably, like, two months ago or something like that. But, no, it was, exactly. like, almost five months ago. It's weird. No, that's that's the most weird thing. And it's weird because I guess it only seems recent in Apple terms. Like, when I think about what I was doing with my life in October... I feel like it feels like a while ago, but my Apple calendar, I guess I was just, you know what it was, Noah? I know what it was. Mm. It was that darn tech drought. We had two, two major tech droughts last year because, you know, you go back to November 2020, that was Apple Silicon event. Then we had December, January, February, March, four months. Crap, that's the same amount of time. Oh my god, my brain hurts! I can't do this! But it's like the same amount of... Wow, this didn't feel... Wait, so why did this not feel like a tech drought? But last year, when we had the April event, I was like, finally, something's happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I... I don't know. It seems like maybe... Maybe there's been more, like, general tech news or more, like, rumors or maybe other companies doing things recently versus back then. But I don't know if that's true. And then let's see. So after – okay, you know what? You know what definitely contributed to the tech droughtiness is I think a lot of people – you know, we kind of reset our clock after the holidays. So Mm. even though this was an October event, a lot of the coverage happened in November, and then I think a lot of people probably, you know, don't don't work for all of December, and then it's sort of a big reset at January 1st. And so last year, you know, starting from January 1st, it was April 20th or something, like end of month four, that we had our first anything from Apple. This year, we're now talking beginning of March. That's a month and a half earlier. So I guess that 
that's fair enough, right? That's a good point. Yeah, I feel like the holidays, like Thanksgiving and then, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever time, like, uh, yeah, that's kind of people are kind of doing other things. And then beginning of the year, yeah, you kind of reset. I, I think that's I think that's a fair um, assessment. And so the thing that the thing that really messed us up last year was dub dub i feel like last year's wwdc was would you agree yeah what was it was mostly just like software and it wasn't super like ios 15 ipad os 15 and like the other operating systems it wasn't nothing like super cool so yeah i I agree with with that and also also the fact that all of the cool features FaceTime, SharePlay, um, Universal Control, all, all of the cool features got, like, pushed all the way back. Like, here's a crazy thing. They talked about Universal Control as a macOS Monterey feature, and it's barely going to be in Monterey by the time it comes out. That's true. Like, yeah. it, it, it's still in developer beta, is it not? I think, I don't know. I actually haven't tried it out at all yet, but Me I neither. think, I don't remember if it's been launched or not, but I feel like it might we, still we're be. We're kind of data. delinquent. The fact that we haven't tried it out yet, kind yeah. of embarrassing. Yeah. Apparently it's amazing. Um, the, the thing that happened last year, I think, was the tech drought of the summer, which, by the way, isn't, like, necessarily odd. Like, Apple has done that in the past but i guess last year it just felt like a real big crunch because it was june like june 6th i think was was dub dub and then we had july august september wait that's even that's three months so wait last year's tech drought which felt like it was unending was three months and now where it doesn't feel like a tech drought at all was five what i don't time is a social construct yeah i don't know it's weird (laughs) oh my god it was probably uh, the chip shortage that must have been it because it wasn't just in apple news that stuff was quiet it was like nothing was coming out we were all just kind of waiting around like hey what's going on although as barrett pointed out here from April to September, there were no new products. That's a good point. So, that's that is significant. That is significant. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, cause that's a little bit what I was getting at before with like, I think, you know, with that last tech drought, there was not much going on at all in the tech world as far as like new products because of the chip shortage. And even I feel like the news and like rumors and stuff, there was obviously some, but I feel like maybe not quite as much. But like True. now, you know, Apple is preparing to, to launch stuff. And, and even before that, you know, we've heard a lot of rumors about their upcoming plans and, you know, the headset and all kinds of other things. And obviously other companies have been, uh, you know, shipping stuff as well. So I think there's been more activity in the, the general area. That is definitely true. I feel like the rumors... You know what's also weird? 
I think that last year everyone kind of turned on the rumors. Like Apple rumors, I feel like took a major hit last year in terms of people getting excited by them, believing them. Um, I think it was mainly fueled by a couple of last-minute course corrections that happened at Apple. So, to my knowledge, a lot of the leaks that were wrong last year, which, by the way, wasn't really that many. They were fairly accurate. Were, were not wrong because the information was inaccurate. They were wrong because Apple changed their minds. And we've talked about that before. That's something that happens um, whenever whenever there's a leak you have to keep in mind that there's layers going on it's apple making a decision then you have somebody informing uh, the press about that providing some information but then the thing that often slips through the crack there's an interpretation layer whether it's john prosser or mark german or love to dream or dylan dkt all of them are by necessity interpreting and then sharing information there's certain things where it's like okay i don't know if i can actually draw a conclusion with that there's certain things where you say okay that's pretty clear it's you know a picture of a thing i could say this is a thing so there's there's a lot that goes on there and I, I think rightfully there there were people that kind of criticized the idea of leaking. They're like, okay, well, if the stuff is wrong and it's like getting people's hopes up um, and it's like, you know, it doesn't actually happen, then I guess people kind of got annoyed with that. People got annoyed that it was like spoiler alerts basically for Apple events. My, I guess my take on leaking as on many things has been a little bit less cynical I'm not a super cynical person. I tend to be sort of optimistic. And um, whenever a leak happens, I I try my best not to get swept up in it as a certainty, but as a fun little uh, prediction. Because even, even the most information-based leaks are ultimately predictions because you're... You're kind of going like, hey, is this legit enough that I think Apple's going to actually do this and not change their mind? Um, so I really think that leaks... I, I think if, if you're getting completely sold on a product because of a leak, if you're saying like, this is what it needs to be, like this is what has to happen, and you're like dead set on it, then you're kind of just going to set yourself up for failure. I I always treat leaks as guesses, however informed, um, and more of like an analysis. I don't know if that's, maybe that's a more of a subjective thing, but I like to think of it as a little bit more casual and fun than than some people do. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it because like you said at the end of the day you don't know the facts you don't know you know even if you see something with your own eyes you don't know that that's you know what it's actually going to be and people in the comments are talking a lot about or people in the chat are talking a lot about uh the apple watch and that mm -hmm. was a big one 
that I do yeah. think that we're going to see that redesign this year, but obviously we didn't see it last year. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people who thought that was what was going to happen were obviously disappointed. Although, to be fair, I think the Apple Watch Series 7 was kind of disappointing uh, on its yeah. own. But I, I do agree. think that we're going to get that redesign this year. I think that the leaks were were accurate. They just uh, Apple wasn't able to get it in time. I know we talked about this before, but but uh, yeah, but yeah. And that's a really good point, actually, Noah, because when you talk about disappointment, a lot of a lot of the sentiment was, "Oh man, how could John Prosser do this and get us all hyped up for this Apple Watch?" And then it was disappointing. Do we not think that the Apple Watch Series Seven? was already going to be disappointing. Like, remove the leaks from the equation. Completely ignore that those renders and those theories ever existed and tell me that you would have been excited by the Apple Watch Series 7. A watch with the exact same internals as its predecessor and whose only benefits, whose only noticeable changes were a larger display, uh, a software keyboard, and new colors oh and like stronger glass i guess that's and slightly it's faster not charging. john you can't oh ooh, you're right that's very that's important <laughs> it's not john prosser's fault that that's an underwhelming update that's an underwhelming update <laughs> mm-hmm. leak or yeah. not yeah definitely definitely yeah and you know obviously the leaks got people hyped up for something better but yeah like you said you know if that's what apple was going to release then that's what they were going to release and i think you would have been disappointed either way but uh Mm -hmm. but uh you know hopefully this year we'll get the we'll get that redesign because i'm looking forward to that obviously not in march but uh but we're looking forward to it i mean speaking of march one thing that i've been struggling to wrap my head around is we keep seeing pretty comprehensive reports about essentially a new MacBook Pro in March and I just I just don't really see that happening like we I think we might have talked about this but it just it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to me for Apple to start talking about M2 now. I just don't see that happening. What do you think? Yeah, cuz this was this was the the 13-inch MacBook Pro that they were supposedly yeah. going to like give that an update, which I know we mm-hmm. talked about that a bit and kind of surprising that they were going to go that route, but um I do agree because you you bring up the you've brought up the point you know uh, launching the M2 uh, for some products but still using M1 Pro and M1 Max and like obviously you know M1 Pro and M1 Max are going to be more powerful than the M2 but it's the marketing that's all it's, you know it's the marketing and if you see something with a two on it and you see something with a one on it you're going to think that the thing with the one on it is you know older or uh, you know last generation or whatever so it would be a weird it would be weird for Apple to use M2. It would also be kind of weird for them to put an M1 in it because we already have an M1 MacBook Pro. And, you know, they're mm. not going to do an M1 Pro in it, right? Because we have that in the 14-inch, and that's, you know, the, yeah. the next level. So I, I don't know what they would do. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the idea of there being a MacBook Pro with M2 is 
a fairly reasonable one. I just think the timing, you know, being in a week seems unlikely. Um, I'm trying to find the report on it because I, I swear there was some story that the 13-inch MacBook Pro with M2 was going to not be redesigned. And that just really was like, what? MacBook Pro 13 M2. Uh, I, I, just, I just don't get... Let me see if I can find this. Okay, here we go. Here we go. And so here's what the, here's the reason why this is weird. Uh, it's because it came from the same guy who leaked the notch. Hmm. So already, that's a solid MacBook Pro-related track record, right? The notch was spot on. Also mm-hmm. was moments before it came out. So... The timeline is similar here. Um, this The same person is saying Apple could unveil a 13-inch M2 MacBook Pro with unchanged design. So a touch bar. And and they're saying that that's going to be... I, I'm trying to figure out if, if Mac Rumors is adding the March or if they added the March. Which is interesting. Um Okay, let's let me go through this here. Based on new information which Mac rumors saw, the upcoming 13-inch MacBook Pro has the same design as the current version including the touch bar and will not have a notch or ProMotion display. That's but has an M2 chip. That is the strangest thing. Um and I I I don't see anywhere that that same source was also saying that it was going to launch in March. But either way, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's a weird... Because I feel like if they don't... On the one hand, you know, I can understand, like, okay, they have a base model Mac, and if they keep it around for another year... First of all, Touch Bar is weird. I feel like they would get rid of it because they've gotten rid of it on their more pro machines but like let's say hypothetically whatever let's say they get rid of the touch bar maybe they leave it whatever you know hypothetically having a base model that's unchanged is fine i guess but then if they're gonna have the regular base model macbook pro it almost makes me think they would keep around the base model macbook air but then they're also gonna launch that that new colorful iMac style MacBook Air. And then there's just going to be so many laptops in there, like in that segment, it's going to be crazy. That's true. I also have to say that's a really crowded segment. You're right. And also why would anyone buy the MacBook Pro? Like imagine the MacBook Air that we've all been talking about. And then... Put an M2 MacBook Pro next to it with a touch bar and the old design and the thick bezels, and it looks like it's from 2016. Who's going to buy that? It would be more expensive than a MacBook Air unless they're deciding to go really wild. It, it, I, that rumor is, is so weird that I do not believe it. I do not think, I think, I know that that is a credible source at least with one point, right, the notch. 
which was not something that anyone else was really claiming and was something that they were dead right about. Right. But despite that, I simply do not believe that the M2 MacBook Pro would have no changes at all. If they're not going to change anything about the design, I think it would be not changing the 14-inch design. Keep that. Drop the USB-C port on the right. So you have two on the left and then HDMI and SD on the right. Drop ProMotion. May probably leave mini-LED. M2 chip. Same exact you know, logic board layout, two fans. All the other parts are pretty much identical. I think that is the way to go. Because nobody's going to buy a six-year-old design when the MacBook Air is there alongside it. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and, like, I don't even see, especially because, like, if you look at the current MacBook Air and the current MacBook Pro, they're essentially the same computer, right? Mm -hmm. And I know we've, this is, I know another discussion we might have had before, but they're basically the same computer, right? It's just the MacBook Pro is a fan and it has the touch bar, which, you know, presumably is a thing of the past, but I guess we don't know. But, you know, major difference is the fan, right? So if you have these new MacBook Airs that are, like, super thin and colorful and they have all of this great stuff, then, and, and you know, it's basically, you know, you take that, which would have an M2 in it, or you take this MacBook Pro, which would have an M2 in it, and the performance difference is, you know, maybe it's not negligible, but it's, like, really not that big of a difference. I don't yeah. see why anyone would go for the MacBook Pro or, like, you know, why would people would pay more, even if it was, you know, a bit less, I feel like people would still go for the air. Even if they cut the MacBook Pro to eleven ninety nine and then increase the MacBook Air to ten ninety nine, so they're a hundred dollars apart, um heck no, I'm not gonna take what, ten, fifteen percent more performance, but no, who needs the new design? Uh, who needs the ability to have colors? Uh, who needs a super thin, light, and portable design? Uh, who needs a new speaker design, undoubtedly? Uh, who needs mini-LED and an edge-to-edge display and uh, MagSafe? I don't need any of that. Give me a touch bar, baby. I want it. I want a touch bar in my life. This is This is where it needs to be. No! Nobody's going to do that. And I want to pay $100 more for that. Yeah, let's go. That's ridiculous. And I, so I just I just don't think that that makes any sense. It, if, I, if I had to guess, I would think that what they're looking at is validation testing for the M2 chip using parts that are already out. Because as we like to, as we live, have talked about, Apple loves to split up their workforce. They love to have people working on components without knowing what the whole thing is. I mean, when you look at the Apple Keynote, there's a reason why a different person comes on stage to talk about each different aspect of it. It's because they probably don't even know what the other guys are talking about. Like, when, when, when you see the Apple people talking about the new sound design, they probably had zero idea what chip was going in that machine guaranteed they had no idea they were they were told hey here's our form factor we need some some cool sound for it um it, it, it's it's i think highly likely that what happened here was 
the information that Mac Rumors saw was old. Almost all of the Apple leaks that you see come from the supply chain. Apple employees are locked down tight. If you work for Apple and you're leaking, you're probably not going to work for Apple for very long because they are pretty good at stopping that. But when you're talking about a factory, that is a lot harder to control because oftentimes the employees of these factories are just as excited about Apple products as you and I. And so when they see something new, oh my God, if, imagine being in that situation. Imagine you're someone who's a fan of technology and you're working on it and you're like, oh my God, that's the new iPhone. And then, and then you, you know, you have a, an NDA, you have probably very terrible working conditions that um, are pretty taxing on you. And, and you're just sitting there like, I want to talk about this. I want to show someone this. And so that's, I mean, that's where a lot of the stuff comes from. But you also have to keep in mind that because it's not coming from Apple directly, we don't know what to make of it. Apple doesn't really put any sort of labeling on it. When you see all these leaked designs, they're not marked as Apple products in any way in most cases because that's one way to obfuscate what you're doing. So I guess that was a very long-winded way of saying, I don't believe this leak. I think that's a good, you know, the, the idea that it was like, uh, you know, validation testing and they put the M2 in the existing hardware. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you could look at like the the developer testing kit for uh, uh, for Apple Silicon, which was the was it the A12Z in a mm -hmm. Mac mini body. And, you know, obviously yeah. A12Z is, you know, an iPad chip in a Mac mini body. So I could definitely see. Uh, you know, the hard, like the chip team who's working on the M2, they're probably the majority of them don't know what computer it's actually going into. They just know that they're working on mm -hmm. the next generation of Apple Silicon. And so, yeah, they're going to use the existing hardware to test it because that's what they have. It, you know, it makes perfect sense yeah. working on it. I actually timeline. have, I have firsthand proof of that. A year ago, I made a video about a prototype MacBook that I bought. Now, my th this was a much older one. This is from 2014. But one of the things that I found really interesting about it is that the MacBook Pro that I had, the, the one that I bought, um, is, is an early red board prototype. So in the early days of Apple's uh, testing, they use red logic boards. But... It was a prototype for the mid-2015 MacBook Pro, which introduced the Force Touch trackpad to the MacBook Pro. It, in, in 2015, the 12-inch MacBook and then the 13 and 15-inch MacBook Pros all came out with Force Touch. So this was one of the devices that they were using to develop the Force Touch trackpad. But the specs of the machine were identical to a base model 2013 MacBook Pro. So if that were to get out there, that would be a confusing headline. That would be like, so Apple's planning a new revision with a, a haptic touch trackpad, but unchanged specifications. But as we know, that's not what happened because things are developed in stages. So that, I guess, would be yet further proof of 
taking this one with a grain of salt. Yeah, definitely agree there. Oh, you know what, Noah? I did have something else. This is a little bit separate from the discussion about the upcoming Apple event, um, but I did want to address here our, our resident sugar daddy, Cole Weathers, with another super chat here, um, prompted us thoughts on Tim Cook and Russia. And I guess it's sort of hard to uh, host a podcast in this current you know week of the year without addressing what's going on and i we don't have to get too into it we're not you know a geopolitical podcast but something that was very poignant that stuck with me today was you may remember noah clean my mac mac paw mm-hmm. i've worked with them a couple of times they actually sponsored my initial review video of the m1 pro macbooks back in october and they are based in ukraine and so i got an email from them today that was essentially saying like it's very hard for us to operate right now because we're literally being invaded and they're and they're pledging to keep the service is operational, which is really astounding. I mean, I cannot imagine, you know, actively being invaded and I'm still keeping my business running. Um, I'd be more focused on running. And they, you know, they had links to support the Ukrainian military and stuff like that. I was like, wow, that is, I, I guess... It, I, it's probably a selfish and like very U.S. oriented mindset, but it was like, wow, that's a really personal direct link to hear from the the rep that I've been working with, emailing presumably a larger group of people saying like, this is what's going on. It was such a personal link to that situation that I was like, wow, that it really stuck with me. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, a great anecdote to share. And I'll share one a little bit less personal, but um, uh, the company JetBrains makes uh, IDEs, uh, Integrated Development Environments, uh, like mm -hmm. IntelliJ, for example. And I use JetBrains uh, IDEs every day, both for my personal projects and for work. I think that they're the best uh, IDEs, uh, the best programs for writing code, basically. And uh, they are based in Russia. And they tweeted, um, which mm. I pulled up the tweet, they said, as JetBrains, we condemn the attacks taking place. Our hearts are with the Ukrainian people, including our own colleagues and their families, which I thought was very bold of like a Russian-based company to tweet mm. something like that. So I wanted very. to give them some respect for that as well. Yeah, huge respect for that because in Russia, I mean, it's it's easy to see Russia as as the bad guy. Uh, I think it's more productive to see Putin as the bad guy because you're you're really talking about the the very upper reins of power making this decision and by and large the Russian people at least from what I can tell are really not behind this and it's hard for them to say that cuz you I mean we've seen the footage of people trying to protest getting thrown into vans and and taken off um it's it's really 
I mean, it, it's a it's a really very perplexing situation. It's a very heartbreaking situation. I think honestly, it seems like Ukraine is doing an absolutely bang up job of of defending themselves, of standing true, keeping up the good fight, and I mean, just the fact that Macpaw is still going at it and they're they're like they were talking about how their support team was gonna still try to get back to people i'm like if i were in that situation i would not be i would not be like you know in in, here in the capital city of the u.s in washington dc with like russians surrounding us and invading i would not be sitting here like let me film a video on a macbook real quick i would be like sorry see you guys i'm out of here yeah, definitely. It's uh it's yeah, it's definitely, you know, as far as the war goes, it seems like it's more your you know, with Russia it's more the people at the very top and not the average yeah. cuz like, you know, even the average, the even the soldiers that are that are going off and fighting, a lot of them I don't think necessarily agree. Uh but before we move on, I guess um maybe to address Cole's question more head on, uh there sure. was uh a call. I think there was a call from Ukraine to Tim Cook to cut off the App Store in Russia as, I mm. guess, like another sanction, essentially. So do you have any thoughts on that? I, I'm i not super up to date on that, but I think it would make sense. I think um, if Apple truly wants to be, you know, all about freedom and privacy, I think that is a, a fairly non controversial step to take i mean we saw elon musk was requested to uh bring starlink access to ukraine and within a couple of hours i think he was like all right you got it Mm -hmm. um you know not to pat elon on the back too much i feel like that's a pretty simple step but i think for apple it's also a pretty simple step you know i think i think they can afford in this particular situation to back democracy they have plenty of cash on hand and i really don't think it's gonna hurt them more than it would help the people of ukraine so yeah i i would say have they done it yet because if they haven't what the heck are they waiting for that's a really dumb timeline to make yeah i haven't heard that they've done it but the the uh the main uh, argument that I've heard against it is that it might affect the citizens of Russia more than it would affect the people in power who are, you know, what they're really... That's and you could true. say that about, about you know, any sanction, I guess, but maybe this particularly, mm-hmm. especially if you're cutting off the ability for people to, uh, you know, disseminate information or, like, contact other people, um, it can be, uh, you know, that that could be another effect that that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's definitely true. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about like, as in regards to sanctions, like, at what point are you imposing sanctions on Putin, or are you imposing sanctions on the people of Russia who, seemingly by and large, don't support that? Right. So I think that's a good point. Um, and it would be. It, so 
So I guess I guess what it comes down to is Russian citizens aren't, you know, the enemy here, right? You're talking about Putin being the enemy. So how do you stop Putin? Well, realistically and unfortunately, there are going to have to be sanctions that affect more than just Putin because, you know, in regards to the App Store, like, what are they going to block at Vladimir Putin underscore one from downloading TikTok? Okay, not really, not really the most applicable thing, right? So I think one of the one of the goals with with sanctions and i think you could make this argument more easily with like banking than with the app store would be that if you essentially tank the economy and like get people really mad at putin being like why are you doing this everyone's cutting us off this is your fault that those are the type of factors that can be motivational to ending a conflict or de-escalating a conflict. Um, but I think that does apply more with something like banking, which hits the high-up oligarchs and the the really, really rich inner circle more so than with the App Store. But, I don't know, maybe as a temporary thing, doing that as as a means to even just preventing Russian soldiers from communicating. I don't know. I, I imagine there's a lot of iPhone users on the, on the Russian military. That could be like a little wrench in the system. I don't know. We're not really qualified to talk about this in, in all honesty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely true. But I guess, yeah. And then some people are saying, you know, maybe uh, some people would lose trust in Apple to know that they could, you know, cut off access to the app store at some point. And I think these are kind of extenuating circumstances, but Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, regardless, I guess that's a point that you can think about. So, yeah, we're not super qualified to, to talk about this, but I think that, um, you know, Tim, they're going to they're gonna do, first of all, whatever is required by law, right? So if there are sanctions that are placed and, and they apply to technology companies, then obviously it's going to happen. And, uh, and beyond that, um, you know, maybe Apple will do something, maybe regarding the sale of their products uh, or the App mm -hmm. Store, or you know whatever it's going to be, but uh, but I guess we'll have to see what happens there. One thing I will say based on this uh, comment, also, how should people around the world trust Apple if they can stop the App Store from one day to another? That is what I believe we would call a slippery slope argument, and those types of arguments I don't really think hold a lot of water because I don't know. You you see this in many different applications but really if you think critically for a second like okay how are we supposed to trust apple if we know they have the power to just snap their fingers and switch something off like that well first of all this is probably the most extenuating circumstance you can imagine and they're still not doing it so it's hard to imagine that they would just be like i have just decided that you get no app store haha -ha! smite smite like the the whole thing with slippery slope arguments is it, there's no accounting for motivation mm. it was the same thing if you go back to what was it 2015 in the case of the san bernardino iphone mm -hmm. where the government wanted access 
to the iPhone. And I think a lot of people that were against Apple giving access used some slippery slope arguments. I think that was a case where Apple was right not to create the back door, but not for the reason that some people said. Do you remember do you remember that whole discussion, Noah? I do remember. I remember some of that that was going on, yeah. And a lot of the fear was kind of like, oh no, if Apple hacks into the phone for the government, then that means that Apple could hack into any phone or the government could get into all of your stuff. And that can be a a slippery slope argument, which is based on a kernel of truth. So Apple doesn't have the motivation to start going around hacking people's phones willy-nilly or giving the government, you know, carte blanche, complete access into iPhones. But the big fear, I think, there was if you create a method for defeating iPhone security, then it's not necessarily a matter of, oh, Apple's going to abuse that or even the government's going to abuse that. But if it exists and someone finds it who shouldn't find it, that's legitimately frightening. And that's not a slippery slope argument. That's like a covering your corners argument, right? If you're saying, oh, Apple blocks the App Store, maybe they're just going to start blocking the App Store everywhere. Well, they don't want to do that. They make money off the App Store. Why would they block it? They don't want to, they don't even want to remove the scammy apps that have like $100, you know, little coins that you can buy. They don't, there's no motivation for them to do any of that. But there is a motivation for some hacker person to exploit a backdoor that's government mandated and wreak havoc. I think that's a pretty key thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Because, like, you know, theoretically, Apple could, you know, like, the App Store is wholly controlled by Apple. Like, they could take it down if they really wanted to, and there's nothing you could do about it regardless. But, like, obviously, they're not, they're not going to because it makes them money. So, uh, so, so I agree there. Um, but, you know, whether they should take it down or not, is a, a tricky subject, probably not super qualified to give a nuanced response, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Never trust anyone, even when you trust them. That's an interesting comment. And that's exactly why I don't trust Noah because my goodness, the guy's always getting himself into lawsuits and I'm afraid <laughs> that he's gonna try to provoke me into suing him. And I'm just not financially prepared to to bring a whole team of lawyers on board. Do you think you're going to lose? Or do you think you would lose? See, look, now you're goading me into, a, into another lawsuit-ish situation. My goodness. I mean, if you, if you win, then I would have to pay for your lawyer fees. So if you, if you, if you don't think – if you think you're going to win, then you should – but you've got all the see 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 what you're doing here is you've got all the experience because as we all know from last week you have been intentionally getting everyone to sue you. I mean that you left you had to move 3000 miles across the country because you you've you've litigated everyone on the east coast. I'm not going to go up against that. My goodness. 
That's just absurd. So I'm not going to fall for it, Noah. You won't be. I'm not suing you. It's not going to happen. I will, I have gotten some very expensive uh, lessons, we'll say. So well, I, I think you've more than made up for it. All of these yeah. shady deals and settlements that you've been up to. Well, that's uh, that's a private matter. That's fair. I suppose I shouldn't air your dirty laundry because uh, you've been doing that plenty well yourself in every courtroom you can find. <laughs> ah, all right. Let's talk about that Apple event again because, oh yeah, the iPhone SE. This is one of those rumors that I uh, every once in a while I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that thing. I know we've talked about it. I just don't like it. That's that's my take. I don't like I don't like the if the rumors are true, which they might be, they might not be. Seems like they might be. Uh, I don't like that. The iPhone 8 design still are we are we, come on. It's a little bit it's a little bit much, don't you think at this point? Yeah, I feel like yeah, cuz I know when we talked about this, we were uh, looking at I think the late the rumor, the latest rumor that I had seen, which might be a little bit old by now was that this year we were still getting the same design and the next year was going to be like an iPhone 11 looking design for the SE. And the rumor was maybe the iPhone 11 style this year, but I think the latest rumor that I saw was pointing towards, you know, same design again. And I'm so tired of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the, it's the iPhone six design. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's quite literally the iPhone 6 design. And then, like, what's different? The home button isn't even a button anymore. And then is the camera even... No, it's still one camera, right, on the back? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Dude, oh, my God. See, okay, price-wise, it's good. It's fine. You know, the iPhone SE, We're not, it's not like I want, you know, the freaking telephoto lens on it or titanium housing like oh i want promotion on the iphone se for 300 dollars, or i'm gonna throw a hissy fit like i'm it's we're realistic here but the single rear camera which by the way is the same camera component after however many years it's crazy the single front-facing camera touch id no face id those bezels and most importantly the same battery from five years ago. Ugh. It, it, the iPhone SE, the only problem with it, besides being a little outdated, but I'll even take the outdatedness, it's the gosh dang battery. It's not enough for a modern piece of technology. It's just not acceptable. Yeah, that's, I know the battery has definitely been a rough spot. And obviously, um, yeah, like as the, the hardware gets more powerful, you know, you put the, you put a newer chip in there and, Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, more like, obviously, you know, the software is a big one. You put more and more software features on there and that's going to drain the battery more. And I think the other thing that I have with the design is it's an old design, but it is quickly looking older and older so if you look at like Mm. the iphone 12 which introduced the flat sides right oh no oh no 
the wall panels are shedding. That might have been really loud in the recording, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll take care of that. But um, I think it's time to change out the tape. That's good. I need to change out the tape on those wall panels. But um, the uh, the design of the thing, right? So the now we have flat sides on all the iPhones except for the SE. And then also, you know, you talked about the bezels and, you know, on the 13, the notch got even smaller on the 14. It's looking like we're getting maybe a hole punch. So even smaller, mm. if you want to think about it like that notch, you know, the, the bezels on the, on the SE are still staying the same. So I think it, it's an old design and it's like, if you put it next to the iPhone 11, right. Versus putting it next to the iPhone 13, it's, there's yeah. an even bigger difference. So it's, it's quickly, that design is quickly getting even old, like, you know, older, much quicker, and it's already very old. You know what I... This is weird. Sorry, this is totally unrelated, <laughs> but I just saw something that made me wonder. A couple of days ago, I tweeted... I'm trying to find out... Um, When was this? Okay, I'm on Twitter. I... I hate when you, you know when you need to go and find an old tweet? It's the worst thing in the world. You can't search. You just have to keep on scrolling like an idiot. They really should do something about that. Um, what was... Okay, don't worry about this. I can't think of the word. I, I'm like imagining the tweet and I'm command effing on this page. That sounds weird. <laughs> command effing. Oh God, I feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit here. Um, what oh, what did I freaking tweet about? I basically tweeted about how someone at Twitter must hate me because they refuse to verify me. They won't enable tips or super follows or like any of the special features. Not that I care. I don't want you guys to tip me or super follow me unless you want to. I don't know. You do whatever you want. Cole Weathers probably will, but <laughs> Twitter won't enable it. And I tweeted about that. And then within like the same 48 hours of me tweeting that, I got an email and they were like, hey, super follows are now enabled. Oh, I found it. Okay, so this email, welcome to super follows, February 23rd at 3.44 p.m. When I tweeted, someone at Twitter must hate me because I can't do tips or super follows and I don't get checkmark vanity symbol. I tweeted that on February 21st. So 48 hours later, they were like, all right, now's the time. When, do you know when I submitted the, because you had to like do the request thing to do super follows. Do you know when I submitted that? When? The day it came out. When was that? Like 10 months ago. Something like that. It was a long time ago. And you're telling me it's a coincidence that I tweeted that someone at Twitter might, might hate me. And then 48 hours later, here you go. They're watching. I'm telling you. I think that there's someone at Twitter that hates you and someone at Twitter that loves you. And they're constantly like at war with at each other. At war. Yes. Yeah. This is so true. That has to be it. So my Twitter angel won out that day. Yeah, the, well, the, the yeah, your Twitter devil was winning for a long time, but then the angel yes. swooped in and and uh, and won that one. 
unfortunately, the angel, you know, I thank you, Twitter angel. I really appreciate um, what you've done for me. But of the three things that could have been done, you did the wrong one. I didn't really care about the super follows, and I didn't really care about the tips. I just want the vanity symbol, okay? I want that check mark. All right? I don't know. Twitter, what do you want from me, okay? Like, not to sound gauche, but I have 39,700 followers. That's, you know, I'm not trying to claim any sort of fame here, but that's a respectable number. I've seen, oh, about 7 million people with far fewer followers than me that get verified for no apparent reason. Just to say. Also, a lot of bots. A lot of bots get verified, but I can't. Um, you know, not to sound like I'm complaining, because that would be so blasé, but give me the vanity symbol! <laughs> I want it! Yeah, I don't know. And I there's been some, uh, some, some parody accounts as well. Some of them have been very clear that they're parody accounts. Some of them a little bit less so. Yeah. Um, but there have and been I like them all. Accounts. I think they're all very funny. But there have been legitimate situations. Luke Miana on Twitter, which, by the way, if any of you are involved in this Twitter drama, I genuinely don't know who that is. It's not me. <laughs> a lot of people are, like, credit to whoever it is. They are, one, extremely dedicated, two, very funny, and three, have fooled a lot of people into thinking that I'm secretly running that account, but I'm not. <laughs> and a lot of people were like, see those tweets because I interact with them and a lot of people, uh, they, they get like a lot of likes. They get like hundreds of, and sometimes thousands of of likes. Look, we already have a Luke Miana stan here in, in the chat, right? People know this guy. And I... I will continuously read through replies and I'm like, oh, that person, yeah, that person thinks it's me. They're like, when's the next video dropping? He doesn't know. <laughs> if only there were a means of reducing confusion via a little symbol, hear me out, that would signify the legitimacy of one account over another. Hmm. I, I don't know if such a thing exists. It's a, a very bold uh, idea. but uh, Now, that's a bold idea. Cole Weathers said, date someone at Twitter. I'm going to have to break up with my girlfriend and pursue this because that, that, like that seems like it would be worth it, you know, at the end of the day, getting that vanity badge. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great reason to to like start a romantic relationship babe it's not you it's twitter <laughs> i want to get verified on twitter so i have to i have to pursue my dream of being verified on twitter which means i have to go and court someone at twitter whoever it may be but you got to make sure that whoever it is actually has the power to give you the check mark because like you could you could put you know months or years into a relationship only to mm. find out that they can't give you the check mark and then it would be a whole you know, waste of time so there we go this this comment then or your girlfriend could get a job at twitter that 
that's an interesting angle because then, you know, you're not trying to forge a phony relationship. You're trying to essentially plant a spy. And maybe they don't have to be that high up. Maybe maybe it could just be a little uh, something subtle, right? Like like she could she could get some C-suite job, you know, nothing too yeah. crazy, not like grand czar of verifications which I'm sure exists, but maybe they could like be near the czar every once in a while, brush up against some high ranking people and just sort of be like, Oh, you hear about that, that Luke Miani thing. Oh, I can never tell which account is his, you know, just those little, those little snippets of dialogue. Oh, that Luke Miani guy makes some really cool videos. Too bad. I can't find him on Twitter because he must be verified, but I, I, all the accounts seem to be fake because they're not verified. You know, just those little things that could totally that could totally sway them. I think that's that's an interesting theory. I was thinking, you know, perhaps infiltrate even simpler. You know, uh, mm. become you know a janitor or a, you know like oh. a, a, a maintenance person, uh, for example. And then once you can get into the building, then you can get to the room where they house the verification machine. Right, it's this big, this giant yeah. computer, size of a whole room, and you just type in a username, and and you know it assigns the badge. That's how the verification works. In case you didn't know that, yeah, and you so have like as... these these little cards, and you punch holes in them, and then right. it feeds them into these big, and it's like big tapes that go round mm -hmm. and round. Yeah, and it and it makes like a lot of bleep blooping sounds and like uh -huh. little little LED lights. Um, with no discernible pattern or meaning behind them, but they look very technology. That's how it works. It uses all of those things. Yeah, that's so that's how people get verified. And that's why they're slow to verify, because it's a like a very arduous process to yeah. verify someone on Twitter. But, you know, get someone who has uh, access to the building outside of work hours, and maybe you could... Mm. Sneak a punch card in there. I don't know. I'm just putting that Sneak out there. Sneak the old Luke Miani punch card right into the verification machine. That's 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 a pretty good idea. Crack the enigma, if you will, of mm. that is the verification machine. I like this plan. I think we're gonna have to get work. In fact, I think um, having a two pronged strategy. So I can pursue sort of janitorial roles and and gaining access to the verification machine meanwhile my girlfriend can sort of go for the corporate espionage aspect of it and sort of the the whisperings in the ears and whatnot right and then whichever one works works and i like to propose actually that we make it a three-pronged approach and the third Ooh. prong would be that i um end this podcast episode since we're now at time. oh an interesting approach i i hadn't really thought of that but now that you mention it i have been your host luke miani and i've been your host noah rubin hope you have a good night <laughs> you sure have and and we sure hope that <laughs> you have a good night so yeah